Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. All right, well, hey, good morning. Hey, I'm Mark. Excited to, uh, to kick off today and kick off this series where we're talking about what it looks like to be devoted. Um, you know, as Charlie and I were just praying and thinking about this new year and uh, what we want to talk about here as we get started, uh, this idea of, hey, what, is it, what does it look like to, to really, in this new year and in, in 2024, to, to follow Jesus like we never have before? And uh, this word, devoted, kind of came up. I don't know if it's a, a word. It's a word that I've grown to, to really appreciate. Uh, it's not one that I'm that familiar with. Um, I remember as a, as a young believer, a young Christian, trying to figure out what things looked like. The word Devo would come up a lot. Anybody ever been to a Devo? Had a Devo? Uh, that's what the, everybody would call like the quiet time. If you had some time of studying your Bible by yourself or, or praying or something, they would call that a Devo. The first time, I think it was like in seventh grade, I was asked to, to lead some kind of Bible study. They called that a Devo. Uh, if you went to church camp, the church camp I went to, uh, they had the Vesper area. Vespers, uh, and you would have the Devo, and so I don't even think that back then I put together that that Devo was uh, maybe short for devotion. I just kind of thought I was always a Devo. That's what that is. That my, that's my definition. Um, but yeah, the more that I thought about uh, what it means to be devoted to something, because because maybe maybe you're like this. I, I've struggled uh, for years now with how to, to talk about my faith, uh, how even what, what name to put, you know? I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a Christian, um, but I've, I've just seen that, that that has so much baggage with it when I say that, uh, especially when I, when I say that internationally, uh, that's got a lot of baggage, you know, uh, for a lot of places that, that just means I'm an American if I say I'm a Christian and it doesn't really have anything to do with my personal belief or faith. And uh, I immediately get tied in with anything that America does or any movie they watched uh, that was from the States. Now that's what a Christian is. And so I feel the need to separate myself some from that. Um, I was actually in a conversation just before Christmas with uh, a factory in India where uh, the guy said, oh, man, I hope you have a, a great Christmas. And, you know, he started talking about the presents and Santa Claus and, and those sorts of traditions. And I had to, you know, stop him and say, all right, let me, let, me, let me make sure you understand, like for, for me and my family, we, we celebrate Christmas in a very different way. It means, it means so much more. It's, it's so much sacred, more sacred because I believe this Jesus, the hope of the world, <laughs> that our, our whole life is focused on what it looks like to, to know him and to follow him because he gave us salvation, mukti. And, uh, and so it feels like there, I have a need to, to draw this distinction and not to just throw that word out flippantly. And then, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, the word, uh, I'm a Jesus follower, that's, that's something that I've, that I've used a lot. But then 
I also feel a little problematic with that because while it's true, I uh, want to follow Jesus. I, I try to live a life where I'm, I'm following Jesus. You know, we live in a day that I fo follow a lot of things, man. I click a button and I'm following your Instagram page, you know. Like, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this thing, really. And uh, I am much more than a fan of Jesus. Uh, I am devoted. I am, uh, he has my, my attention, my, my faithfulness, my trust. Uh, it's a much more deeper level that it feels like this word devoted. Actually, the, the first time that I really thought about this, uh, I was uh, in a conversation. I was trying to learn another language. And uh, this believer from this other country, he's like, yes, the, the followers here in this very dark place where there's not many Jesus followers, we use the word bhakti, which means uh, I'm, a, I'm a devotee. And I was like, oh, a devotee of Jesus. I'm like, ooh, I kind of like that. I, mean, I kind of like that. It seems like it, it has, it's much more rich and it, and it identifies much more what I feel. I am, I am devoted to him. And so as, as we start to think about what does it look like to, to follow Jesus, we, we want to talk about what does it look like to be devoted to him? And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is, uh, is go straight to that place. Uh, you know, it comes up a few different times, but in Mark 12, verse 30, uh, guy asked Jesus, what's the most important command? And what does he say? He actually quotes back uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. With all that you are, love him. And so we want, what we want to do is just kind of walk through what does it look like to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And at the beginning, I just want to say that I, I guess through the years I've just seen that what happens across this room, across uh, believers worldwide, you know, we all have a natural kind of tendency, a makeup. And, uh, and so we tend to more easily love Jesus in this way. You know, for me, I am uh, by nature more of a, a lover and a fighter than a thinker, more of like a, a feeler uh, and a doer than, than a thinker. And, um, and so it's just by nature that I, I will cry a little bit more, more easily. Uh, my hands will pop up maybe for worshiping a little bit more quickly. Uh, I've seen that what happens is that people like to gather around the people that are more like them. So the people who do connect with Jesus emotionally like to gather a lot of people who also like to love Jesus and are very much feelers. And they all are like, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. You, man, you, you know, it's your, it's your heart, you know. Uh, we don't really study the Bible any, but we, but man, we love him. And then the people that are really thinkers, you know, they like to get together with a lot of other people who really like to, you know, really think deeply about it. And they like to, to study the Bible. I mean, they don't really ever have any feelings, but they, but they really do. Like, they think a lot about him and understand him well. And then the doers, you know, they're like, what are we even doing here? Why are we wasting our time studying or feeling? Let's go do something, you know? And so we like to get in these little, these little groups and throw stones at the others and, uh, and rarely do we all just come together and challenge and encourage one another in those areas of our strength and weakness. 
And so I think it's interesting. You know, I'm, I got the call to be the heart guy. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm speaking, I'm speaking more to my strength here. Uh, as we move through this, there's going to be weeks where I'm really, really, really convicted uh, because it's an area of my weakness. But one thing I love about the Grove, when I look across this room, man, we are all over the place, and that's beautiful. I think that's what, that's what the body is supposed to look like. You know, I think that's the reason why it's so important that we are in this room this morning and we're with people who are kind of geared a little bit differently than we are so that we can all love and encourage one another. And so there's probably, as we move through this series, there's going to be a week that you're like, amen, yeah, that's right. We're supposed to love him with our heart. And there's going to be a week you're like, ooh, I don't, I, that's not really a part of my repertoire. I'm not sure. I feel real comfortable about that. That's an area of my weakness. And if that's happening, that's what's supposed to happen because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow in what it looks like to love him holistically, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so to talk about it this morning, I, uh, I'm going to go to the Psalm, Psalm 84. And um, as, we were, as we were worshiping and singing those songs, I just thought about this, the way that, man, it really is cool when y'all think about it. I mean, we're going to look at this ancient text, this, this psalm, and the psalmist is, is speaking from his, from his heart, his, his passion for God. And uh, we're going to open that up, and we're going to break it down and look at it together, and we're going to learn from it and grow. It's just really cool the way God's Word works. I just think it's awesome. Anyway, that's a total side note. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, you can. I'm going to put these up on the screen, and we're going to walk through it. We're going to get as far as we can. There's 12 verses, but we might not make it all the way to verse 12. Uh, we'll start out verse 1 and 2. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I don't know if you feel this, but when I, when I read that, those lines, I don't know if blush is maybe the right word. Like it, 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 it is a very, it, it's just very intimate. The, the psalmist is talking about this connection with God, this desire to be as close to him as possible. How lovely, how beautiful is the place that you are. I'm, I'm yearning, I'm fainting, my heart, my flesh, they, they cry out. I mean, he is bearing his heart and we're, we're just reading it. You can't just read that and, and just pass by it. There is emotion there. How lovely is your dwelling place? Um, you know, I think uh, I don't want to make too much of the connection to the romantic, but I mean, I, you know, I remember being in high school and walking into a basketball gym and seeing this, this girl shooting threes and just draining them. And I, I decided that I want to be close to that. Uh, that, that girl, that girl right there, I want to be the, as close to her as I can possibly be. You know, it's been about 30 years. And uh, we were at a gym yesterday watching one of our kids compete. And uh, I looked up in the stands and I was like, man, I, I feel it more now than I did then. I, I want to be as close to that. That, that, that place, that place with her, close to her, that's, that's lovely. I want to be next to that. Yeah. My soul yearns to be close to that. Um, I, I remember I had a good friend uh, that uh, was Hindu. And on his birthday... He invited me to, to go with, with these other friends of his to go celebrate. And I said, yeah, man, for sure. Let's, let's do it. And, and so the thing that he wanted to do 
was to go to the temple, and there were, you know, 20, 30 idols of these different deities there, and uh, he took sweets, which is like, uh, not candy, but like, you know, your home-baked goods, but little, little pieces of it, little, you know, those little squares of uh, brownie, uh, and they, he would take it, and to each idol, they would offer it, set it in front of the idol for the idols to have, although the idol you know, didn't eat it. So then we would take it back up and then he would gather it back together. And then he handed it to all the, the guys standing there and we were going to eat it. And I knew in those settings that that's a form of worship, that now I am going to take this and this thing to him is sacred and, and me taking it is me giving worship to the idol. But I wanted to be real careful not just to just assume that because these are pretty good sweets and I would eat it otherwise. And so I said, uh, hey man, I just need to clarify, like, if I, if I eat this, do you see that as me giving worship to those idols? And he said, yeah, of course, of course I do. And I said, well, then I, I can't do it. And you could tell he was obviously bothered, and that bothered me because I didn't, it was his birthday, and I didn't want to, you know, rain on his parade. And he was walking away, and I kind of had to chase him down, and I said, man, listen, I got to explain myself. He's like, no, it's okay. No, no, I'm gonna, I got to explain myself. I said, man, the, probably the best way I can explain it, dude, is... I mean, you've been with me in, uh, in my house, and you've been with me out and about, and you have seen my love for my wife, right? Yeah? I mean, you, you've seen the way that I, that I care for her, the way that I look at her. You've seen that when we're other places that I don't have eyes for another, that I have eyes only for her, that I am completely and utterly devoted. She has my heart, right? And he's like, yeah. So, my man, you've also heard me talk about Jesus, and that I sinned against him, and yet he came and laid down his life, and he overcame death, and he is my only hope. I have put all of my attention and my trust in him, and he is my only. And so if asked to give that affection to another, I have to say no. Oh, he, he has my whole heart. And I guess, if anything, y'all, today, the, the question I want us to ask is, does Jesus... Does he have our, your, does he have your heart in that way? Does he have your heart? You know, you can, you can look at somebody when they're talking about something. You can look at a dude or a woman when, she, when they're talking about their spouse. You can look at a, a daddy talking about his, I mean, you can look and you can see if, if, if something has your heart, you know. Does he have your heart? How lovely, how beautiful is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And then he says, my, my soul yearns, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out and beg for it. Man, I mean, there's this deep longing. You know, I, I wake up uh, pretty early in the mornings, and what's, what gets me out of bed is cocoa pebbles. Anybody else love cocoa pebbles? Can I get an amen? I mean, I mean, of all the cereals, I know there's some debate out there, but man, I mean, from the time I was a little boy, Cocoa Pebbles, y'all. I remember in high school, like, mixing bowls, I'd kill a box like that. I mean, often. Uh, and when, I, when I'm, like, seriously, I'm in the bed in the morning, I'm trying to get up, alarm's gone off, I'm like, man, I don't want to get out of bed, especially when it's cold, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. And I think Cocoa Pebbles, about to go get me a bowl of Cocoa Pebbles, and I bound out of bed. Uh, the power of it. I like it. My, my, I yearn for it. I, I want it. I, I long for it. You, know, might, you might even call it an addiction. Does it sound like that? Like, it, like is, it, is it that way for us? Like when we think about 
being with him, getting close to him, knowing him more deeply, being connected to Jesus more? Is it like, is it like that? Like we long for it, we think about it, we dream about it, gets us out of bed in the morning, can't wait for the next chance to get alone with him? You know, I confess to, to some guys in my D group this last year that uh, I used to, some of the sweetest times between me and Jesus is just going on a walk, just, just you know, alone, just me and him. And, um, and I just confess, you know, it's been a while since I've been on one of those walks, and I needed one of those walks. And it wasn't too long ago, you know, I was on one, and, and it felt like, I don't know if y'all read this, but it felt like Jesus was like, where you been, man? <laughs> been hanging out here, waiting to go on one of these walks? And then he, he just clearly communicating to me so many things, clearing up my vision. I mean, I, it was sweet, sweet, sweet time that I was just, do you long for it? And then it says, verse, verse 3, even the sparrow has found his home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near to your altar. Lord Almighty, my God, my King and my God. And just real quick, like, I, I just like the way that he says, my king and my God. You know, it, it kind of feels like um, just this, this truth about this relationship with our God, that he is king, has all authority. Our Jesus has all authority. And he, he has the right to, to make demands, commands, to, to tell us what to, we obey. And then he's also our God. And he loves us deeply. And he is a loving father. And I just, it's the dilemma that, that a mama, that a daddy feels, you know. I, I have experienced it. I feel the, the, the responsibility of provision. I, I feel the responsibility of, of protection. I feel the responsibility for discipline, you know. If I'm responsible to help these kiddos, like, become adults, like, there's, there's some responsibility there. And at the same time. Man, I love it. it. Don't matter what they do. <laughs> I love them. I, I love them so deeply that they, it's endless. You know, they, they, what, what would happen? Or what? They could, there's no way they could run far enough to get away from my love. This is the way it, it is. This relationship with God. Yes, He is King, and He and He is and He is God. And you feel this connection that the psalmist has. Verse four and five. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The people who do that, who get close to Him. They're blessed. They are ever praising you. Those kinds of people are always singing his praise. Those kinds of people, when you're around them, they can't stop talking about him to nausea. And I, and I, and I say that. I actually had a buddy that uh, he died when he was 20. Uh, I, I honestly, one of the things that's given me comfort in that is that, man, he, he loved Jesus so much. In fact, a few days before he died, he, he was on a phone call with his mom, and, and he told her, he said, uh, I don't know what it is. I just, I just want to be so close to him. I, just, I don't want to do anything else but just be with Jesus. Like, I want to just spend my time with him. I think, I think that finally Jesus was like, just hang it, man. Let's just stop all this. Just come on up. Let's hang out. <laughs> um, and that's what he would do when you were around him. That's, that's what he wanted to talk about. And it wasn't like I, sometimes it was like I learned this new thing and it was cool or I did this thing and obey. But most of the time it was just experiential connection emotionally. And y'all hear me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying learning the new thing is bad or do. We're going to have weeks for those. I'm just saying that for today, there's this emotional connection that, that you can see. And when you, when you have that, 
you talk about it. It's kind of like a, a, proud, a proud daddy, a proud parent that every time you're around him, oh, man, here he goes. He's going to break out the pictures again. I'm that guy. Uh, oh, we're going to hear about this, it did this, or that, or that. I mean, man, I got four kiddos, and I am proud of every last one of them. And so you start talking to me very long, what am I going to do? I'm going to start talking about how this one's doing that, and that one's doing that, and this happened yesterday. Man, a, a husband who loves his wife, I'm going to start talking about how, I, how, how much I love her and how much she means to me. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's going to bubble over. It's, it's going to be a part of who I am, because you bump up next to me, you're going to find out. This is the reason, by the way that it really struggle, it's a struggle for me to understand why people have trouble with evangelism. Because to me, that's what that is. You bump into me, you know me, I know you, we're going to talk about how we're experiencing Jesus in his life, in his hope. And if I don't, then I'm lying to you or it's, or it's not true in me. I think that's the reason Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It will happen because you won't shut up. <laughs> Yeah, they, the, the ones that are in his house, they are ever praising him. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Man, I love this. Whose strength is not in the other things that promise support and strength. When they go to get strength to face life to face the, the hard things, to be on the mountaintop or to be in the valley. When they go to get strength, when they reach, they are reaching for Jesus and his power. Not for their intellect, not for their, their, their strength, not for their bank account, not for all the other places that we go to find our strength and support and way to get through it. They find their strength in him. It made me think about, um, you know, each of us have our strong points and our weak points and the thing that we lean on when we're in that hard place. I, uh, I remember in college, uh, in the weight room, there was this other guy named Jim, and we would compete on the different lifts. My, my favorite lift was the power clean, uh, which is basically you just, you know, you take the bar from the floor and you pull it up to right here. You're not pressing over your head or anything. You just pull it up to right here. And uh, it's a full body lift, man. You got to use your legs. You got to use your arms. And there's a lot of different ways that you can attack it. And Jim would always just edge me out just by a little bit and beat me. And Jim, a lot bigger than me, he had these massive tree trunk legs. Now, from the waist up, he wasn't very big. But, man, his legs were huge. And he was really, really flexible, which was amazing to me, to have legs that big and still be able to bend over and touch your toes. Um, I had these little chicken legs, and there ain't much to them. But I had some, some big shoulders. And so what would happen is Jim would get down there, and, I oh, mean, I'm not kidding. Man, he could, when he would pull it from the floor, he'd get it about, just about to his knees. It's about as far as he could pick it up. But then somehow this dude would then get underneath it. I can't even do it. He'd get underneath it. And then he would just use his legs and just press it on up. And so it was 100% a leg lift. He didn't use any of the rest of his body. And then I'd go up there to do the same weight, and it looked radically different. I would pick it up and get it up to about right here and then get under it. And that was just totally about the first part of the lift. My legs didn't hardly do anything because, again, I got little chicken legs, and I'm not ashamed of it. And so we had different places that we went to for the strength to accomplish the task. And you guys, we all have our different places that we go. But the thing that united we have as followers of Jesus, <laughs> he is the place that we go to. Blessed are those whose strength is there, whose hearts, and this is as much as anything, it's just a description of those kinds of people whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, pilgrimage is a word we don't use a whole lot. I mean, most 
Now, I'm sure there's some folks in this room who have maybe made a trip to, to Jerusalem, or maybe there's some part of your faith that may involve the place that you went, but not, not so much for us. You know, for Muslims, for Hindus, for Buddhists, for other uh, belief systems, you know, there's, there's a place. And I have had friends that getting to that place, going to that place, is a big, big, big deal. And when they're planning that trip and when they're on that trip, it is, it is really, really sacred and special from beginning to end. Through the planning, through the trip, it is definitely not one of those trips that's a business trip or a leisure trip. You know, when they go through immigration and the immigration officer asks why you're coming, the answer is, I am on, I'm on pilgrimage. It is definitely one of those things that it's not, uh, you know, it's more about the journey than the destination. That's, that, may, that may be true, but when it comes to pilgrimage, it is about the destination. I am going to this place. I'm going to worship in that place. That's a sacred, special place, and I am on way there. Am I preparing my heart to be there when I leave and come back? I am, I am <laughs> dealing with what God did in my heart while I was there. This line, those who go to him for, for strength, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, they live a life. They live a life where they're focused on him and his kingdom. And another version that says it this way, they're on the, the, the highways to Zion. They are, they are heavenly minded, eternally set. Everything about this life and what happens today, they see through the lens of and through the perspective of heaven and his kingdom and his glory and this Jesus. Their, their attention is there. And so then it, it, it informs what today looks like. They are a living a life of pilgrimage. They are pilgrims. Those who he has their heart. And then it goes on to say, <laughs> y'all, I love this. Uh, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. This, this valley of Baca, uh, the best way to describe it is not an actual place, but more kind of like Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. It's the opposite of springs. It's a place of drought, a place of, of tears. And notice it says as they, not if they, like that you might possibly go through the, the valley of drought and tears. No, as they, it's coming for all of us, some of us more than others this year, but it's coming. That's life. But when they do, guess what? They go through this drought, barren valley, and they turn it into this lush jungle. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. That's what happens. When, when Jesus has your heart, and, uh, and then you walk through, as we will, through the, the hard place, they turn it into, a, into a springs and, and change the whole landscape. <laughs> Because there's this deep power. Look what it says. It says they go from strength to strength. That's how deep the reserves of the strength of our Jesus is when he has our heart. We go from strength to strength. It's almost like the harder it gets, the stronger we get. Uh, the darker it gets, the more his power and his light show off. I've started watching this show. It's called Top Gear. It's these British guys that uh, review sports cars. It's awesome. <laughs> and they do stupid stuff. And they usually, like, they show, you know, these different cars and what, what these different cars will do, cars that I could never imagine affording. But they're a lot of fun to watch them drive it. And then sometimes they'll, they'll review something that's just normal. And so the other day they're going to re review this, this truck. And they're like, there's nothing fast about this truck. You know, normally they're, yesterday they, I was watching when they were running uh, 200 
30 miles an hour in some car. And, and they're like, yeah, this truck's not fast. The truck's not all that attractive. But it's really, really tough. And they took the truck and they drove it in the ocean. And then they left it. And they just let the surf all night long roll the truck in the sand, roll the truck in the sand. It was all, it was, it was deep. And they went and pulled it out. And they had a mechanic come with just normal tools. And they said, can you get it running with just those, you know, this little tool bag? He does a few things. Boom, it starts back up. I'm like, man, that's incredible. Then they do something else. Then they do something else. Y'all, they took it and put it on a skyscraper that was getting demolished. And they blew the building up, and the truck fell all the way down, hit the ground. All this rubble fell on top of it. They put all the rubble off. They pulled the truck out. They had the mechanic walk out. Tick, 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 tick. Boom. I'm like, man, that's, that, that's a tough truck, man. But that's the picture of the person who finds their strength in Jesus. Man, bring it. Let life bring what it may. Strength to strength. The desert. I'm a spring. His, his, his life is, is bubbling out of me. You can't. It only gets stronger. The tougher it gets, it only gets stronger. The one who Jesus has their heart. Then it says, 8 and 9, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O oh God. Look with favor. Please just just uh, your favor. Then look what it says in verse 10. One you may be more familiar with. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day. That's the heart of this writer. Better is one day with you. If I had to, to do an accounting, being close to you, Jesus, one day is, is better than a thousand anywhere else. And I was thinking about this. My nine-year-old uh, Jack, he likes to do Would You Rather, that Would You Rather game, you know. And so uh, if you know Jack very well, he's pretty creative with it. Like, man, he thinks, he thinks deeply. And so uh, he'll come up with all kinds of crazy things, and it's kind of a fun game to play. And I, we were in the car yesterday, and I said, man, let's, let's play that game. And he's like, all right, would you rather be able to fly or be able to go underwater and breathe? And I'm like, well, it's going to get dark underwater. Well, you get a light. Well, I can't swim very fast. Well, you can swim fast. Would you rather fly or would you rather go underwater? And the whole family's like trying to decide what our answer is. Then Darcy throws hers out. Would you rather go to Seven Brew or Starbucks? The next one was, would you rather be able to tell the future or be able to transport yourself to the past? And Darcy was like, do you like Wendy's or McDonald's? <laughs> Found out my, these twins are very different people, I, if I, as if I didn't already know it. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather spend a, a moment in the presence of Jesus or a thousand anywhere else? I mean, is it really... Y'all, is, is it to you, is it really not even a comparison that he has such a, so much of your heart and so much of your attention that you've, and you've experienced it, that a moment in his presence is better than any, a thousand anywhere else? You know, often I'll be uh, 
talking to a couple who, uh, you know, they, time has gone on, they've been married for a while, and they've started to just kind of lose affection for one another. And um, I don't know if this is good counsel or not, but what I'll say most of the time is, hey, w- what I say to my kids when they lost something, I'm like, well, where did you, where did you see it last? You know, when, when was the last time you saw that thing or that you, you had it, you know? Let's, let's track your steps and go back to where you lost it. So that's what I'll usually tell a husband who comes to me and says, we just, we've lost that. I'm like, well, where did you lose it? Could you go back to a time when you looked in each other's eyes and she had your heart? When, when was that? Can you, can you go back there? And I think for a lot of us, maybe if you've been following Jesus for a while, and uh, maybe you've gotten used to it and you've started to find your strength somewhere else. You know, you've started to give your attention to other things. Your heart's gone kind of cold. Maybe this is the morning that you go back. Where was that? Let me go back there to that place where he had all of it, where I was fully devoted. See what would happen this year if that was true. It's true in your, your life, your family, our church. We had all of our hearts. Father, I'm asking you that uh, this would be more than just a few uh, minutes uh, look into Psalm 84. What we see happening here, what we see in this, this person's heart, this guy's heart, Father, I pray that that would, that would be true in us. That uh, we would begin to, with our emotions, with our heart, we would begin to look to you and experience this, this incredible promise of, of blessing, of strength, of, uh, of comfort. Father, that we'd experience day in and day out what it feels like for it to be true, that it's better to be in your presence just a moment than, than a thousand anywhere else, any day spent Anywhere else is a loss. Father, I pray that would be truth. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.